Good to see each one tonight. We do have a number of visitors with us, and we always want you to feel welcome. We want you to come and to worship with us every time that you are either in our area or uh, when you have an opportunity to do so. On Sunday evenings for the past several weeks, we have been looking at a number of things which are contrary to the Word of God that are being practiced by our brethren in our local or immediate area. And I realize that's not the kind of lesson that many of us might would enjoy studying. However, it is a responsibility of everyone who preaches God's Word faithfully. In fact, this morning in the class where we were studying, we were studying 1 Timothy chapter 4, beginning with verse 6. And the Apostle Paul says, If you put the brethren in mind of these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ. I want to be a good minister, a good servant, who does what God would have us to do. And as we've studied a number of different topics, the one we're going to study tonight is the observance of holy days. There are a number of people who have begun to observe religiously a number of days and make something out of them which God did not intend. And so for that reason, we need to study these. Now, obviously... You know where I'm going with this, or at least I would presume you know where I'm going with this. And that is there are a number of churches now that of the Lord's Church that have begun to have Christmas, and I say that in quotation marks, services, worship, devotion, uh, by celebrating the Lord's birth. And uh, in doing so, they do so without any biblical authority. And we'll have to talk about that in a few moments. Tonight, what I'd like for us to do is to look at our lesson from three different perspectives. I'd like for us to begin with, number one, the problem seen in Scripture. And we're going to go back to Galatians chapter 4. We're going to back up to verse 8 and go through verse 11. And then I'd like for us to talk about the parallel of that passage in our modern times to see here's what the passage says, then here's how we see it in our society today. And then number three, for us to talk about some principles that I believe can help us uh, at least resolve some things in our mind to do what God would have us to do. Let's go now to Galatians chapter 4. If you didn't keep your Bibles open there, please open them. Uh, I chose not to use the screen tonight for the purpose that I wanted you to use your Bible. Uh, But if you didn't bring your Bible, there are pew Bibles available. And uh, we want to look at this passage before we actually get in depth. Verse 8. But then, indeed, when you did not know God, you served those which by nature are not gods. But now, after you have known God, or rather been known by God, how is it that you turn again to the weak and beggarly elements to which you desire again to be in bondage. You observe days, months, seasons, and years. I'm afraid for you, lest I have labored for you in vain. 
Now, anytime you read a passage of God's Word, it's important to understand the context in which it appears. If you go to Galatians 1 and verse 1, he writes this epistle, this letter, if you will, to the churches of Galatia. And those churches would include, maybe not exclusively to them, but it would include Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, and Derbe. I bring that up because that's what we're studying on Wednesday night. In fact, we're ready to begin the first of the year studying Acts chapter 15. And it just so happens Acts 15 is behind the book of Galatians. So you have to turn there. And if you go to Galatians, or excuse me, Acts chapter 15, you look at verse 1 and you look at verse 5. Paul says, And certain men came down from Judea and taught the brethren, Unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. I want you to understand, they were teaching you had to be circumcised. They are teaching this with regards to Gentiles. Drop down to verse 5 of Acts 15. But some of the sect of the Pharisees who believed rose up saying, It is necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. Now, for just a moment, if you want to go back to Galatians chapter 4 and look with me at those first few verses. Paul says, but then indeed, when you did not know God, this is before you became a Christian, you serve those by, which by nature are not gods. He's talking about Gentiles. He's talking about people who had not worshipped the God of heaven, but had worshipped idols. But these people had a problem. There were people coming in among them and they were telling them that what you need to do is you need to embrace the law of Moses. Evidently within these congregations there were also some who were Jews because Paul is going to talk about being again in bondage. In Galatians chapter 4, verse 21, he says, Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? You who desire to be under the law, the law of Moses. We're talking about people who are now Christians. He said, do you want to go back and be under that law? Galatians 2, verse 18, verse 21. For if I build again those things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. Then verse 21, I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. You see, here's the problem, is I'm trying to present to you a passage, if you will, and the context in which it appears. Here are people binding the Old Testament law upon Gentiles. They are teaching them you need to keep that Old Testament law. Well, what are they doing? That's when you get to verse 10 of chapter 4. You observe days, months, seasons, and years. Days, the Sabbath day. Months, those new moons that were described in Isaiah chapter 66. Seasons. He's talking about the multiple day feast that they participated in, like the Feast of Passover, the Feast of Pentecost, the Feast of Tabernacles. 
all those that were set aside by Moses. And we could go back and study those, but I think you already understand the purpose of those. And years. The sabbatical year, every seven years, or every 50 years, the year of Jubilee. You see, people were being encouraged to observe these Jewish holidays even though they were now Christians. That's the reason why Paul would say, I'm worried about you. I'm concerned about you. Because you have now left what was so valuable and so important to go back and observe something which is no longer a part of what you ought to be doing, and in fact, for you Christians. So what's Paul's correction for them? Chapter 5, verse 1, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again into a yoke of bondage. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you are circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. You have become estranged from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. You see, I could go on. I could bring in Colossians 2, 14 through 16, which talks about a person not being judged with regards to food or drink, festival, new moon, or Sabbaths. You say, well, what does that have to do with Christmas? I want you to key on verse 10. You see, there's a parallel. You see, our denominational world is trying to put upon us in the same way that the Judaizing teachers were trying to put pressure on the Gentiles and some Jews to live under a certain set of rules, a certain set of restrictions, a certain set of laws, which God had not intended them to live under. And so our religious world has created and elevated some, quote, holy days, which, by the way, is the origin of the word holiday. I listened to Brother Tom Holland this last week, and he says the church is being comprised of too many CEOs. When I heard that, I thought, well, yeah, everybody's trying to be the boss. And then he explained, he said, CEOs are people who come to church on Christmas, Easter, and one other day, usually Mother's Day. I thought that was pretty good observation. But you see, that's the, the thought process do y'all know when we generally will have the three largest attendances at services? Usually the Sunday near Christmas. Usually the Sunday of, that the world refers to as Easter. And usually Mother's Day. Now we may have some more if we have a, a special opportunity to invite our family and our friends. But the general usage of this in the world is to create elaborate ceremonies which include several things like for instance the nativity scene plays and special music are often a part of the services and I will tell you that even the word itself the etymology of the word Christmas is a compound word 
Christ and Mass. Obviously, you know what Christ means, but do you know that the word Mass is the word to describe the service of the Catholic Church when they come together and what they will call the Eucharist or the communion is served? In other words, it's a service when they come together and they do that, but now it's become an elaborate service. But not only this, the other holy day they have set apart for themselves is that of Easter, which has a number of details that would go with it. You could talk about uh, Fat Tuesday, talk about Lent. You say, I don't remember reading all those in the Bible. They're not there. By the way, neither is Christmas. And you see, over the years, the brethren, the Lord's church, has tried to explain to the world that we do not observe Christmas as a religious holiday because we have no Bible authority to do so. There's no place in the Bible where we're instructed how to do that. In fact, the only memorial that we are told to commemorate with regards to our Lord's Life is his death. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 26 says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. You can study all of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. You see, here's a problem. In so many areas, we want to fit in. We don't want to be odd. We don't want to be the only one who doesn't have some sort of decoration in front of our building that says, This is the Christmas holiday. You know, throughout the Bible, that's been a challenge for God's people to be different in a world, even of religious people. In 1 Samuel chapter 8, verses 19 and 20, Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, and they said, No, but we will have a king over us, that we also may be like the nations, that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. So you see... Samuel was trying to say, no, let God be your king. And they said, no, we're going to have our own king. We don't want to be odd. We don't want to be different. Psalm 106, verse 35 says, But they mingle with the Gentiles and learn their works. You see, our problem is we, we intermingle with people so much that pretty soon what we do, we develop their terminology, we develop their patterns, we develop all this, and it becomes who we are. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 9, when you come into the land the Lord your God has given you, you shall not learn to follow the abominations of those nations. You may think that I am somehow exaggerating this. I suggest that what you do is you take your computer and you look at churches of Christ in Middle Tennessee, and if you'll choose the larger ones, Here's what you're going to find. Many of them are going to have this week a banner about some Christmas celebration. I started to put them on the screen, but I thought that's not necessary. I think you can see that for yourselves. Sadly, today we have a lot of brethren who don't know why that's wrong. Many people don't understand the important principle of having Bible authority for everything we do. Everything. When we worship God together, we don't get to make it up. 
We do, as Colossians chapter 3, verse 17 says, And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. This past week, while I was preparing this, usually in the morning I will check Facebook to see what's happened overnight with some of our folks. And there was one wayward member who was posting on another member's site who had said, we enjoy this time of year, but we don't observe the day religiously. And this wayward member posted, you celebrate your birthday, do you think you're better than Jesus? I thought, that's going to tempt some folks. That's going to make some folks say, well, yeah, we celebrate my birthday. Why can't we celebrate the Lord's birthday? Let me address this parallel, if you will. This betrays a misunderstanding of what one can do individually and secularly, if I can get that word out, and what one may do sacred. You see, when you start thinking about the differences, let me take you back to Galatians chapter 4. Do you remember what Paul told them in Galatians 5 and verse 2? He said, For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision, or excuse me, chapter 5 verse 2, I say to you that if you are circumcised, become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. If these people embraced circumcision as a religious right, Paul said, if you accept that, you've got to accept it all. You can't just pull one little thing out and say, I'll, I'll take this one, but I won't take the others. He said, once you accept that religiously, you're a debtor to do all of it. And once you accept that, then you are fallen from grace. You're estranged from Christ. But what if one were to choose to have their son circumcised when he's an infant in the hospital because of hygienic reasons. Would that be wrong? No. You see, why is a person doing it? What are they doing? In fact, if you don't believe that's true, you go over to Galatians chapter 5 or 6 and verse 15. For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. You see, it's not whether a person had been circumcised or not been circumcised. In fact, religiously, that does not matter one way or another. What matters is whether or not you're a Christian. Let me explain a little bit further. In John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, On the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. You know what they do? They go. Was there anything wrong with going to a wedding? No, there's nothing wrong going to a wedding. But there are things that are parts of weddings that have no place in the worship of the Lord's church. There are things you may want to go and, and enjoy cake. You may want to enjoy all these other items. Sister Taryn Hillis Burwell now had a beautiful wedding last week. Beautiful one. But those things that were a part of that wedding would have no place in the worship of the church. You see, there are things that though they may be a part of what our brethren 
are involved and may even occur in the same locations where we worship. But you've got to understand the difference between what is individual, what is secular, and what is spiritual. Birthdays actually occurred in the Bible. You know that. Genesis chapter 40, verse 20. Now it came to pass on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast for all of his servants. Or you go to Matthew chapter 14, verse 6. But when Herod's birthday was celebrated, the daughter of Herodias danced before him. They celebrated birthdays. If they celebrated birthdays back in the book of Genesis and in the book of Matthew, why didn't the Lord tell us how to celebrate it today? You see, when someone asks the question, you celebrate your birthday, yes, but I don't do it in the worship service. In fact, our young people gather on one Wednesday night every month here, not as a part of a worship service, but as a part of fellowship to honor those among themselves who've had birthdays that month. But if you were going to celebrate the Lord's birthday, how would you do it? The Lord's not giving you any instructions. If He's not giving me any instructions, can I make it up? Can I decide, okay, this is what I'm going to offer the Lord because He hadn't told me. Let me give you a good passage of Scripture that I think is very valuable. 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 7. Nathan went to David to tell him with regards to David's plan to build God a house. And here's what he says. Wherever I have moved about with all the children of Israel, have I ever spoken a word to anyone from the tribes of Israel, whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? God is asking David, through Nathan the prophet, during all this period of time, did I ever ask anybody to build me a house? You know what the answer is? No. Well, then if I didn't ask you to build me a house, what makes you think you've got a right to build me a house? In fact, he goes on to tell David, you are not going to build me a house. Your son Solomon will. You and I dare not take it upon ourselves to presume to do things however we want to. We do what God wants us to do. Now let me talk about, third of all, some principles. Some people remain thoroughly confused. They don't understand the difference between the sacred and the secular. Between what we can and cannot do, or maybe I should say may or may not do in our worship services. And what we may or may not do in our own personal gatherings. Is it wrong, for instance... For a person to decorate their home? Is it wrong to give gifts to your family and to your friends? Is it wrong to do what will happen after our worship service is over when we gather together for a fellowship period? 
Is it even wrong to talk about the birth of Christ this time of year? Let me try to answer some of those questions because I know they're on people's minds. It's always appropriate to teach the Bible on any subject at any time, and that includes the birth of Christ. I will tell you, though, that when you teach the birth of Christ, you need to teach fact, not fiction. And too many folks have learned their biblical view of the birth of Christ from Charlie Brown's Christmas rather than from the Bible. Y'all think I'm joking, but when you start talking to people and they start saying, well, you know, the three kings, excuse me? Now, where in the Bible does it say there was three kings? Talk about the Magi. And they didn't come when Jesus was born. They came later when he was already in a house. You know, there's so many myths that have been spun that people walk away. And If you're going to teach on the birth of Christ, teach the truth and correct the error. But someone says, well, what about teaching about it this time of year? Won't it make people think that you are agreeing with that religious holiday? Oh, no. Let me point out to you that there are several other holidays that occur during our year that we can take advantage of. Independence Day, July the 4th. People are thinking about liberty. They're thinking about freedom. That's what's on their mind. What better time to talk about the freedom that we have in Christ and the liberty provided by the blood of Christ? What about during the period of Thanksgiving? I'm talking about the holiday Thanksgiving. That last Thursday of the month of November has become a holiday in our country. And people generally associate the harvest, bountiful harvest, and being thankful for what you have. What better time of the year to teach people about giving thanksgiving to God, not for just your physical blessings, but for your spiritual blessings. When people are thinking about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, should we avoid the discussion altogether? Colossians 3 and verse 5 says, Walk in wisdom toward those who are on the outside, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Many times this offers an opportunity for us to discuss with people what's right versus what is wrong. So there's nothing wrong with talking about it. What about observing national holidays which may even have some sort of religious background. I want to bring up two that our Lord perhaps was involved with so you, you can see this. If you will, turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Esther, to chapter 9 and verse 22. Esther chapter 9 and verse 22. I want you to turn there before I tell you the holiday, because if I do, most of you are probably not going to know what I'm talking about. Esther 9, verse 22. As the days on which the Jews had rest from their enemies, as the month which was turned from sorrow to joy for them, and from morning to a holiday, that they should make them days of feasting and joy 
sending presents to one another and gifts to the poor. That holiday among the Jewish people is referred to as Purim. P-U-R-I-M. And you can say, what holiday was that? You know, when Mordecai recommended to Esther to stand up for the Jewish people and because of her intercession with the king, the Jewish people were preserved and old Haman ended up being hung upon his own gallows. That was a day of deliverance. That's a day they're going to celebrate called Purim. If you go to John chapter 5 and verse 1, it says there that after this there was a feast of the Jews. Jesus went up to Jerusalem. John doesn't name the feast. But when you come to chapter 6 and verse 4, he tells you it's right before the Passover. You know what feast was right before the Passover? Purim. Was it wrong to go to Jerusalem to enjoy the festival where the Jewish people, God's people, were preserved? Evidently not. Well, turn with me to John chapter 10 and verse 22. John chapter 10 and verse 22. And John says, now the feast of dedication, now it was the feast of dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter. Do you know what the feast of dedication is? You probably heard people say Happy Hanukkah. That's what feast it was. It's also called the Feast of Lights, or the Feast of Dedication. It's an eight-day feast. And Antiochus IV, the Epiphanes, the ruler wanted to desecrate the temple in Jerusalem. And he commanded a pig to be offered on the altar there in Jerusalem. And what happened, the guy of the Maccabean family, and I could spend a lot of time and it's not necessary, refused. In fact, he rose up and slew the man that was going to offer it. And thus then rededicated the temple to the worship of God rather than to swine. And because of his doing this, they celebrate Hanukkah, the Feast of Lights, the Feast of Dedication. John tells us Jesus went there. Now, neither Purim nor Hanukkah were feasts that were designated by Moses under the law. They were national holidays. Was it all right for them to celebrate these holidays as a national holiday? Evidently so. Would it have been right, though, to have taken these and used them as days of worship? No, because they were not authorized by Moses in the giving of the law. So, we start asking the question. Is it wrong for us to observe some holidays in a secular sense, whether it be Independence Day, Thanksgiving Day, or what the world has come to call Christmas? We know there's nothing wrong with the giving of gifts. That occurred in Purim as well as other times. There's nothing wrong with exchanging greetings, whether you do it with cards or whether you speak to one another. There's nothing wrong with 
festive decorations. If you want to cover your house with lights, you go right ahead. Just don't ask me to pay your power bill. Can Christians gather outside the assembly for worship? The Bible says you can. In Jude verse 12, he's speaking about the ones causing problems in the Lord's church. He said they are spots in your love feast. The love feast he's talking about is evidently what we call fellowship meals. Where we gather together. For the, the sole purpose of enjoying one another's company. We're not associating together to also worship and devotion to God at that time. We're just enjoying one another's company. Just like physical brothers and sisters in the family enjoy getting together. Spiritual brothers and sisters enjoy getting together and enjoying one another's company. In fact, the truth be told... Those of you who are here are closer to me than 99% of my physical family. I spend a whole lot more time with many of you than I have with my physical family. And enjoy you a lot better than some of my physical family as well. I'm going to tidy this up quickly. But let me offer a word of caution. In regard to matters of personal judgment... What I do outside the assembly, what's inside the assembly has been designated and directed by God. But what I do outside of the assembly, where I exercise my personal judgment, like eating of certain meats or vegetables, you have to be on guard with your behavior that it does not become a stumbling block to someone else. In Romans 14 and verse 20, Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for a man who eats with offense. 1 Corinthians 8 and verse 9, But beware some, lest somehow this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to those who are weak. You may have noticed that we've tried to be careful that we refer to our fellowship as a holiday fellowship. The purpose of that is because we don't want to offend someone who may would take offense to the word Christmas because we're not having a mass for our Lord. Paul was deeply concerned for these brethren where they were headed. He said, I'm concerned about you, brethren. I'm concerned about some of our brethren that they have left the principles of our worship being guided by and directed by, thus saith the Lord. And religious matters... Our worship, we must make sure that we do only what God has permitted us to do. And then we must make sure that we live in such a way that we have a godly influence on the world in which we live. Tonight, if you are not a Christian, we'd like to encourage you and invite you to make one of the most significant decisions, in fact, the most significant decision that you'll ever make in life, devoting your life to the Lord. Behind me is prepared the baptistry, and I can tell you there's no more important thing than the salvation of your soul. Everything else can stop. Nothing is more important than your soul. 
You want to be baptized for the remission of your sins? To God be the glory. If you are a child of God and you're struggling with sin in your life and you want the prayers, the encouragement of your brothers and sisters in Christ, that's the most important thing in the world. If you need to respond, come while we stand inside.